There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What, what does that mean? Well, on one level, it's real simple. You can, you can put it into the Romans road. And so far on that Romans road to salvation, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Next step on the Romans road. But Christ, right, is, is, that, is, is that answer to that. This, this is one of those steps on the Roman road that says, okay, you're saved. There is now no condemnation. At one level, it, it just fits very well in the message of salvation. But if you remember last week, I left you with this. I left you with the purpose of your life. Listen to me if you've never listened to me before. The purpose of your life is not to be saved. That's what you need. Because our relationship with God is broken. The purpose of Christ's life was to bring us salvation. But the purpose of our lives is not to be saved. God did not create us as broken people so that he would have something to occupy himself. Our purpose is to be the glory of God in this world. Where do we get that? You get that going all the way back to Genesis 2. And he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became the living image of God in this world. To do what? <laughs> to be Him in a world that, that He had created. We were to honor and glorify God. And of course we know, Genesis 3, boy, we go downhill and it just gets worse every chapter after that. But our purpose is to glorify. That's what I told you last week. And and we went through the whole, uh, you know, husband and wife thing. And, and I took you to the book of Corinthians because, because Paul just made a confusing, for me at least, mess out of it in the fifth uh, and sixth chapters of Romans. But when I, when I took you to, to Corinthians, I think we were able to have a conversation about what does the relationship between a husband and a wife look like and, and what does it mean that that uh, one honors the other, brings glory to. And I finished last week, and they were like, would you please tell us what glory means? It's like, you got so close, tell us what it means to glorify God. Well, the problem with that is, that was this week's sermon. But let me tell you in a general sense, what does it mean to glorify God it means that the presence of God abounds in you to the point that it affects everybody around you. That's the glory of God. 
Now, there's all kinds of ways that that glory is lived out. Paul's going to get pretty specific today. Listen again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we can link to that this scripture verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Purpose? That those who believe in him should have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But that the world might through him be saved. John 3, 16 and 17. You can't do one without the other. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Okay. What's, what's Paul doing here? Certainly he's doing what I've already said. Certainly he is showing us a Roman's road to salvation. All right, we are, we are sinful, we are broken. Uh, Christ is the answer to that. You give your life to Christ. We can there say, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But let me give you some context. Let, let me tell you what's going on in the Roman world because what the Romans believe is that the world is a good place. But the people of the world are broken. Okay, let me say it again, because I want you to track with me. In the Roman culture, they believed the world was a good place. I've given you the name of that God. Don't expect you to remember this stuff. The, the, the Roman God for the earth is Terra. Okay? That's who they worshipped. If you are Greek, you call her Gaia. Doesn't matter. Two different cultures, same lady. All right? It's a, it's a woman. We call her Mother, not Earth, Nature. And if you grew up in the 70s like I did, she was this woman standing beside a tree with a big staff and a lightning bolt would come out of the sky and she would say, it's not nice to fool with Mother Nature. Who remembers that? All right, we're the old ones. We still have this idea. We still flirt, even as people of faith, with this idea that the earth is just fine. The problem is us. And if we would just learn to treat it better... It would treat us better. Guys, that's a Roman idea. That the only thing wrong with the earth is that it's populated with people. And so if, if we'll just get our act together, then we'll clean up Mother Earth. The difference is, most people in today's world don't take Mother Nature and make sacrifices to her. And we certainly didn't build an oracle at a place called Delphi where we can go and ask Mother Nature what we should do. 
but the Greeks and the Romans had an oracle. It is a place where you go and can talk to the God. Okay, and so the oracle of Delphi was an oracle for Gaia or Terra, whichever culture you're a part of, you went there, you were doing the same thing. You asked Mother Earth, you asked Earth, the goddess of Earth, a question. Because you believed that gods did one thing. Punished people. So when there was an earthquake, that wasn't God punishing the earth. That was God using the earth to punish people. If there was a terrible, terrible storm, this wasn't Terra, okay, this would be the goddess of the sky. If there was a terrible storm, that was this God punishing people, not the weather patterns of the world, using the world to punish people. Roman gods did not do great things for you. Roman gods punished you. And it was by punishment that you were taught how to live correctly. All right? You quit doing that, I'll quit sending earthquakes. You quit doing that, I'll quit, I'll, I'll quit making that volcano erupt on you. And so we get what the men's group was talking about this morning, a very Old Testament concept of God that's not invalid, that says there have been times when we have messed up and we have received punishment for that. But by the time the Roman culture has come along, there is nothing but punishment. And so gods exist for one reason, and that is to keep people in line. Worship that God. You need to go ask that God what the right thing to do. And so Paul is doing more than just telling people of, of faith in Jesus Christ that they are saved. Because the purpose of their life, Paul says, the, the, he said this last week, the purpose of your life isn't to be saved. That's something that we need in our lives. But the purpose of your life is to glorify God. So what are we supposed to do? Well, Paul says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear how this is received? Understand? Give me a nod. Shake your head this way that says, I don't get it, Tim. Because the idea is this. All the Roman gods are there to condemn you. Paul says, Christ Jesus didn't come to this world to condemn us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. For God did not send his son into the world. Is anybody's brain saying, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Then how are we supposed to deal with the fact that we sin? If there's no condemnation from God... I'm left with what? 
I'm going to tell you that even in 2022, many of us have built our faith in God upon this idea that our relationship with God is, is, is trying to live a life that somehow escapes sin. And so I do it every day. On, on my morning walk or evening walk, it's not morning anymore, uh, on my evening walk now, every day I'm saying, Lord, I am not righteous, I'm not holy, and I have sinned against you and I need to be forgiven. That's that part of my relationship that, that, that acknowledges the fact that I am a broken person. But is that where I'm supposed to live my life? Well, not according to Paul. Because a relationship with Jesus, I do that because I am also in relationship with a holy God. So I'm not going to quit asking for forgiveness. But that's not my relationship with God. That's an acknowledgement that I am not God, that He is God. And that if I have to stand before Him, He is righteous and holy, not me. But that's not my relationship with Jesus Christ. And no, it's not a different God. It is three in one. Let's not get into that. But brothers and sisters in our faith, we do not live by condemnation. That's what Paul says. He says that's what the Romans gods do. That's what the Romans do. Where did they put the temple of their gods? Right in the middle of the Senate. The Senate is the place that they made all their laws. So what happens? <laughs> you make your laws and, and uh, you are looking at the gods as you make your laws. And so your gods take on the attributes of what the Senate does. And the Senate begins to take on the attributes of what God does. And next thing you know, the senators and politicians think that they're the gods that know how to pass judgment on everybody else in Rome. Paul says, that's not the way God works. God is not looking to condemn you. That's a new concept in Rome. But it's the truth of Christ. So, if the purpose of our lives is to be the glory of God and that is the way we become the head or, or we, we allow him to be the head and what honor means is to glorify God, then what is it that glorifies God? Well, let me take you back. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Let me say it again. For God loved. What does it mean to glorify God? He's going to spell it out. If you go over to Corinthians 13, remember? You hear this every time you go to a wedding. I'm going to do five weddings this year. I bet I say it five times. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, there is no glory. Because speaking in tongues... By the way, let me, let me give you... Anybody have questions about tongues? Anybody? 
Nobody has questions about tongues? Holy cow, just my wife. All right, well, I'm not covering that then. You can come to my Bible study if you want that information. What does it mean for Paul to glorify God? It means, brothers and sisters, it, you, you can read all the way through Scripture about what love is not in Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13. But then you get to love is patient and kind. And for God loved the world. For God was patient with the world. For God was kind to the world. For God is not boastful in relation to the world. Go, go through. We use this as this beautiful thing that if we could just treat each other like this in marriage, marriage would work. Well, it would. But the purpose of 1 Corinthians 13 is not to create strong marriages in this world. Strong marriages will, in fact, be created if you follow Corinthians 13. But the idea of Corinthians 13 is to say to a culture, let me show you what it means with everybody to be the glory of God. If you want to be the glory of God, great prophecies, that's not going to do it. Great uh, gifts of the Spirit, whether it's speaking in tongues or you're a great teacher or you're a great preacher or one of these days I'll figure out what I'm great at. Those aren't going to get it done. The glory of God is love. It's that simple. And if you want to be reminded what love is, go back to Corinthians 13 because Paul's going to spell it out to a culture that is a very judgmental culture and bases everything on whether or not we're able to do the right things for God so that He doesn't do bad things to us or we're able to do the right things for each other, transactional relationships, so that bad things don't happen in our relationship. And Paul says the glory of God is to reflect God's glory in this world. And so, therefore... What's he talking about to the Romans? Remember, this is a letter that he has written to the Romans that says, I want you to think about this before I get there because we're going to have arguments. And sure enough, they're going to have arguments. And while they're having those arguments, he writes a letter to the Corinthians. And while they're having those arguments in Rome, when he gets there, he's going to write a letter to the Ephesians. And he's going to be clarifying all of these things that he said. But the thing that he said to us in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, in the very first verse, as he fires his opening shot for this portion of his letter, is Christ is not here to condemn us. Therefore, your purpose in life is not to stand in judgment of the world. Christ didn't even stand in judgment of the world. Will the world be judged? Absolutely it will. Will it be judged according to a holy God? Absolutely it will. Do we need to be saved? Absolutely we do. Is Jesus Christ the vehicle, his blood, the sacrifice that he made on the cross? Was that God's remedy for sin? Absolutely it was. But what is it once you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
that is your purpose in life. Paul is really clear. Feel free to argue. But Paul is really clear what he thinks about that. He thinks it is the expression in your life of the love of God. Amen. If our praise team, I'll say a prayer, and if our praise team would come back up, our service will end with music. I like that. All right, let's pray together. And so, Heavenly Father, teach us. Teach us this very simple truth. As trite as it sounds, love is the answer, not human love. Lord, we know that Paul believed both the world and man were broken, not just man. Paul believed that the only remedy for that was the love of you, our Heavenly Father, specifically in the form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to think about what it means to love deeper and to be the expression of your grace, your mercy, and your love in this world.